The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Thank you. Be seated and turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Don't you love an honest worship leader? We talked about authenticity in our worship. He could have spiritualized that. He could have said, hold on a minute. I don't believe y'all are worshiping. <laughs> Moved his capo, fixed things, and then gone with it. But he's just an honest dude. Hey, I like it. I like it. Thank you for leading us in worship. Those songs are perfect for what we're looking at today. Just being overwhelmed by the gospel and saying, it's all about you, God, because of who you are and what you've done for us. Remember, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, which is where Jesus sat down on the mountain and he gathered his disciples at his feet. And he's teaching his disciples, but there are a lot of guests or others who aren't disciples that are listening in to what Jesus is saying to his disciples, and and it's impacting them as well. We're in a very similar uh, situation. We come each week, our covenant members gather to be taught by the word of God, and that's equivalent to Jesus teaching his disciples. But we know there are a lot of others who are listening in, and we pray that God blesses all that are here listening to the teaching of his word. But especially today, I want guests to know that we are thrilled to have you with us, and we're going to be talking about money. Now, when I grew up, every preacher on TV had big hair, so I don't have that problem anymore. And they were crying. I do cry a good bit. I hadn't in a while. That's good. And they wanted your money as they flew around on their jet airplanes, and it made me sick. And I hated it. And so it's very hard for me to talk about money. But I want you to know our belief is that we teach verse by verse through the scriptures. And as the Lord would have it, today we're on sermon on the Sermon on the Mount where he's talking about treasures. And he is talking about money and wealth and, and possessions. And, but if you're a guest here, your friend did not invite you here to get your money. Your friend invites you to here to hear about Jesus and his teachings. But there's also many people who have not, who have not covenant, become covenant members yet, but you're faithful worshipers with us. And I've heard you tell me over the years that you, you feel like this is your church home, and we want you to feel that way as well. And we want you to have the opportunity to participate in what God is doing. The church uh, last Sunday made a decision and voted 100% unanimously to enter into a time of prayer and fasting, of giving, praying, and fasting. And we are not smart enough to time it this way, but in the Lord's perfect timing, that's where we were in the last Sermon on the Mount where Jesus was teaching us about giving, praying, and fasting. And what was the point of that message? The point was do it for God, not for man. And so as we as a church enter into a time of giving, praying, and fasting. We are doing this for the glory of God. We are not doing this for the attention or the fame of man. And that's what Jesus said last week. When you give, when you pray, when you fast, do it for God. Don't do it for others that think you're spiritual or you're this, that, or the other. Don't do it to show off. And so God has moved us as a church into a time of giving, praying, and fasting. And we want to enter into that time between now and February. And, and, and we want to invite anyone here, join us in this season of giving, praying, and fasting. And watch the incredible thing that God will do in your life. Fasting is simply self-denial in order to intensely seek God for whatever occasion you may have. And for us, we are fasting and seeking God to ask him to provide to continue to bless what he's doing through this church. God has so richly blessed us. We have been incredibly blessed in every sense of the word blessing. 
This church started with just 12 people or 10 people, five men, five women, and our kids meeting in our living room just about 12 years ago. And as we began to move forward, our goal was simply obey Jesus, be healthy, be faithful to the scriptures. We didn't try to say, let's be at this mega church on the corner of Norris Ferry and Southern Loop. We, we just said, Lord, we want to be faithful. And over the years, God has enabled us to be faithful, and God has blessed us so richly. We have seen hundreds and hundreds of parents reached from this community with the gospel and brought into this church, and their children are being discipled week in and week out. Hundreds of kids are back there being taught as their parents are being taught. We have seen God do so many wonderful works in people's marriages. We've seen marriages that were on the brink of disaster that seemed hopeless And we've seen God restore those marriages. We've seen families ripped apart by division and feud, and we've seen God restore families. God is doing great things. Over the years, we've seen dozens and dozens of people from our church go into the mission field. We've seen them take food, water, and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ to South Sudan, Africa, where we've sent team after team, year after year, two-day journey to the ends of the earth. Literally, we have Jared and Kevin and Mitchell there right now sharing the gospel with people who've never even heard of the name of Jesus, tribal people in the bush of Africa. We've dug water wells for them. We've provided grain and sorghum for them. But most importantly, we've provided Jesus. The Lewises just went back to their compound after having to to be in Nairobi for a while. And they came back to see that that believers were standing up in the face of persecution on their own. And people are becoming believers. And they baptized 87 new believers in the bush in a mud hole. God's doing great things. God is doing this through us as God raised up people to go to Nicaragua, Guatemala, refugees in Fort Worth, into the inner city of Shreveport, and to love the children in, in, in Allendale. Week after week, you are going out into these communities and beyond, representing Christ, bringing the gospel, bringing his love, and seeing God's glory expand. We've seen eight members of our own church when we just had just a handful of members. They rose up and they moved down to New Orleans to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, to start a new church in the heart of New Orleans. And we are praying God will do a great work as they press on in a very, very challenging environment. We've seen God use our efforts in South Sudan to take carve out 30,000 people that God said, these are your people that if you don't reach them, who is going to reach them? And we've seen those people become believers, and now they're planting churches, taking their gospel to their own people in all 12 regions of Karkamoogie region. God is planting churches through your efforts. Members of our own church, families, have adopted or fostered 13 children forever changing those beautiful lives, investing in them and seeing their lives change. Children from China, children from all over the globe, they are changing their lives and bringing them into their families, showing them the love of Christ and loving them as their own. Over just the last year, from November to November, we've never been much about numbers, so I was blown away, so pleasantly surprised by these numbers because in trying to figure out how we're going to continue to provide space, we've had to look at numbers. Did you know that from last November to this November, 67 new members have joined this church? 
Did you know that between last November and this November, 21 people have been baptized? And the vast majority, I think all but five of those are mature, grown adults that have been baptized, and you have heard their stories. You've heard how these middle schoolers and high schoolers and how about 18, 19 adults share their gospel testimony of how God has radically touched their life, and they profess it through baptism. God is doing incredible things in our church and through our church And we want to praise God. In this time of praying and fasting between now and February, would you just thank God for his faithfulness? Thank him and and ask him to keep doing it, Lord. Keep pressing us. Give us unity. Give us faithfulness. Give us health. But do a work for your own namesake, God, and don't let us get in the way. As you, as you pray, pray daily. Seek the Lord. Open your scriptures and seek the Lord like you've never sought him before. And once a week, our members, on the day that they meet with their community group, we've decided as a church, unanimously, so when you're hungry, remember, unanimously, we voted to do this, that we will fast. And, and what that looks like is if your group meets on a Wednesday night, then Tuesday night's your last meal. So eat late. Tuesday night here is your last meal. Y'all got to have a sense of humor about this, all right? <laughs> Tuesday night is your last meal, so eat late. Thank you. So eat late. Enjoy the fasting between, between that time and the time that you gather with your community group, and then break the fast, celebrate the meal, have a great time together praising God and what he did through that time. Of course, each one of you will flesh it out in your own way. You might have liquids. You might do this. You do whatever you got to do. But the point is, what Jesus taught us last week or two weeks ago was you're not doing it for man. You're doing it for God. You're seeking God. And during that time of prayer and fasting, we're asking God to provide $675,000. I want everyone here to pray that with us. If you're a guest, you can pray that with us. Just say, God, would you bless that church with $675,000? They want to send out more missionaries. They want to touch more lives. They want to bless more marriages with the gospel. They want to have a massive impact in this community. We have always said we're not trying to be a mega church, but we are trying to have mega influence for the glory of God. And so would you pray that for us? Pray that God would provide $675,000 so that we can build classrooms because we need classrooms. We need more worship space. We need office space. We need student ministry space. We need adult ministry space. We need space. And God's going to provide it. We don't know how. We don't know when. But he's going to provide it just like he has every step of the way. But he calls us to participate in the process as we pray together, fast together, and give together. Our strong prayer, and you can join us in this prayer, and we make a clear distinction between covenant members and everyone else. We're hardest on our own covenant members because they said, I want you to hold me accountable to God's word. And so here's our prayer, and you can all pray this. God, would you lead it for every single covenant member of this church to give to the ministries of the Norris Ferry Community Church? 100% participation. I want you to join us in praying that. I want you to see what it feels like to trust God with this area of your life and to see him provide and what a thrill it is. It will transform your heart and your view of money. And that's exactly the text we come to today. And I'm telling you, we are not smart enough to plan it this way. This is God's planning. We come to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. 
And this is what the Lord has for us. This is the teaching he has for us as we think about providing for the ministry needs of this church. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Four. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Father God in heaven, would you help us this morning to heed your teaching, because your teaching is good. May we believe that and obey and experience the blessings that you have for those who obey your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You ever wonder why? We talk about money so much in the church, other than the fact that there's a lot of greedy pastors and people leading churches. It's because Jesus talked about money and things related to money 15% of his teaching. Randy Alcorn did a study and said that Jesus spent 15% of his time talking about money, talking about possessions and, and our attitudes related to it, more than he talked about heaven, more than he talked about hell. In fact, more than he talked about heaven and hell combined, Jesus talked about money. And here's the point. Let me just give you the point right up front. Jesus says, because he's been all about the heart in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, I don't want your behavioral modification. I don't want your simple outward righteousness. I want your heart. And then he says today, if I got your heart, I got your wallet. That's his point. If I don't have your wallet, then I probably don't have your heart. So let's look at what he says. We're gonna, here's what we're going to do today. Number one, we're going to understand what does he mean, treasures in heaven, treasures on earth. And then second, we're just going to very briefly look at what is the reason for this. I've just kind of already alluded to it. But what's the reason Jesus gives for why we should lay treasures in heaven and not on earth? And then finally, I want you to hear from a couple that I believe fleshes this out. They show us just very practically what a lifetime of obeying this looks like. So I'm going to have to move really fast. So first of all, what does it mean to lay up treasures on heaven instead of on earth? Let's let's, first of all notice Jesus does not condemn laying up treasures. Jesus does not say, treasures are wicked, treasures are evil. How dare you, you wicked generation repent of treasures and turn to Jesus and live off of the land and he doesn't he says instead of laying your treasures up on earth lay your treasures up in heaven he's reorienting our perspective and he's saying you should proactively intentionally do what it takes to lay up treasures in heaven instead of laying up treasures on earth So what does it mean to lay up treasures on earth? Because he says, don't do that. Well, to understand what Jesus means, we always need to take it in context of the teaching of scriptures. Jesus will never contradict the scriptures. Remember, he is the supreme authority of the scriptures. They are about him and he is over them. So he will not contradict any in scriptures. What do the scriptures teach us about money and possessions and wealth and treasures? Well, first, let's just start with the Old Testament, the wisdom of Proverbs. Proverbs 6 tells us, be like the ant. It says, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. In verse 8, Proverbs 6, 8, 
She prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. We work, we plant, we are not sluggards. We are to give great energy into using our gifts and our skills and our passions and our resources to make money and to to prepare for a harvest. We should not be sluggards. So there's nothing wrong with putting in a good, hard work. We should do that. It's wise. It's the way of wisdom. Paul says in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 5, 8, If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The Jesus' followers, Jesus' disciples, should lead out in being hard workers, providing well for their family, providing security and food and home and shelter and meet the needs of their family. We shouldn't neglect our family saying, oh, I'm being spiritual. No, Jesus, his word, God's word in 1 Timothy, Paul makes it clear, work hard, provide for your family. And if you don't, you are not spiritual. You are unspiritual. You are ungodly. We must work hard and provide. So whatever Jesus means by don't store your treasures in, he- in earth doesn't mean that. You've got to work hard and save and provide and prepare for a harvest. In 1 Timothy 4.3, Paul says this. He says, enjoy marriage. Enjoy foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving. Re- enjoy these things by those It should be enjoyed by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. Nothing should be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. And so what God is saying is, listen, there is great enjoyment of all my blessings. Work hard. Enjoy the harvest. Celebrate. Enjoy all that God has provided. But do so with thanksgiving, acknowledging that all of this came from God. That if it were not for God, you would not have any of it. If it were not for God, I would not have the life and the breath and the energy and the skill or the gifts to do my job. I would not be able to make a living. I would not be able to provide. I would not be able to enjoy the blessings of the harvest. God says, listen, it's not bad. Money's not bad. Possessions aren't evil. It's not wicked. Enjoy it. Don't call anything that God has created wicked, but... Enjoy it with thanksgiving, with praise to God, to the glory of God, acknowledging that God is the source of it all. And so this is teaching us how to think about money and possessions and wealth, that we are to work hard, prepare for the harvest, enjoy the harvest, do it all with thanksgiving to the glory of God. Well, then what is Jesus saying when he says, don't store up treasures on earth? I think he's saying two things. First, he's saying simply this. Don't make money, possessions, wealth, your home, your boat, your car. Don't make these things your treasure. Do not cherish them. Do not set your heart's affection upon them. He's saying, listen, don't make these things your pride and joy, your prized possessions. Enjoy them, but enjoy them properly to the glory of God. I think he says that and related to it on a related note. If we're enjoying them properly, then we also won't 
enjoy them selfishly and greedily. Jesus is saying, don't let them captivate your heart and don't be selfish and greedy. Notice he says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. Emphasis on yourselves. Do not be selfish and greedy with the the resources that God has lavishly blessed upon you. He in the gospel lavishly blesses us on with every spiritual blessing the heavenly places through great sacrifice to himself. And he calls us to do the same with whatever resources we have. Jesus' disciples are to be very countercultural when it comes to money and possessions. When the world is building their life upon money and possessions and, and getting all they can and canning all they get and sitting on the can, I heard one pastor say. He says, that's not the way my disciples live. My disciples work hard, make what they can, make a great profit, enjoy the benefits of the harvest, but be a blessing and don't hoard it and don't be selfish with it. I like what John Stott says. He says, what Jesus forbids his followers is the selfish accumulation of goods, extravagant and luxurious living. The hard-heartedness which does not feel the colossal need of the world's underprivileged people. The foolish fantasy that a person's life consists in the abundance of his possessions. And the materialism which tethers our hearts to the earth. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Jesus is condemning the life that is consumed with selfish accumulation of money and possessions for our own selfish desires. And to encourage us to apply this, he gets real practical. Sounds like a financial planner. Sounds like an investment guy. He says, now, let me tell you why I'm choosing heaven as the investment instead of the earth as the place to put your money. Don't lay your treasures on earth. Don't put it in that investment. Why? That's where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. It is a bad investment. If you think about the agrarian society that he is addressing, they would harvest the grain, harvest the fruit, and what would they do? They'd have to put it in a barn. They didn't have air-conditioned cooling systems that would preserve it and keep it safe. They put it in their homes, which are not secure. And so all that would happen as they harvest more, throw it, a harvest more, throw it in the, far- throw it in the, in the barn. They go to the barn, they look, and, ah, oh, this whole section has been rotted out. Mice have eaten it, and rust has destroyed it. It's worthless, and i got to throw that out. And so i, I got to go harvest more. And, oh, someone stole our possessions because... When we weren't looking, we were out harvesting, and it just never is enough. We never can make ends meet. All I do is slave to make more, and every time I go and look, it's not enough. I make more, and it's never enough. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. It's awful. It'll never be enough. Don't set your heart affections on money and possessions in this world, on the things of this world. They will never satisfy. Jesus wants our, his people to have joy. He wants them to be happy. And he says, don't put your heart into the things of this world, not because he doesn't want you to be happy, but because he wants you to be happy. And he says, it'll never be enough. You know what that feels like. The more I make, the more I realize it does not satisfy I mean, yeah, you can enjoy it, but as soon as you find yourself, and it happens every day. For me, 
Yesterday, I did pretty good. Today, I'm coveting. Yesterday, it's not my idol. Today, I need something bigger and better. And it never satisfies. I'm on my third boat. They still break down. Still got to be winterized. Everything falls apart. If our heart's affections are placed on the things of this world, or the things we can buy, it's, a, it's miserable. Not to mention what it does, it robs others of what we're about to see next. And so, what does he mean, not lay yourselves treasures in, on earth? He's saying, don't be consumed with the things of this world. Don't be greedy. Don't be selfish. Don't, don't focus on your heart's affections and satisfaction on the things of this world. But instead, transition happens in verse 20. But instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. What does it mean to lay yourselves treasures up in heaven? This means that we are to be kingdom-minded, kingdom values, eternal values. We are to, to have our hearts set on those things and use the resources for those purposes. It means we are to have an eternal perspective about earthly goods and money and wealth. We are to have a heart for God's gospel mission, for why God sent his son onto earth, which was to save lost sinners with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, now I saved you. I've blessed you with these resources. Now use those to further expand the kingdom to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to fund missionaries, to fund the expansion of the gospel, to fund Bible training, gospel training. Use your resources for these purposes. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, it all belongs to God. And we think it's ours. It's in our vocabulary. How much money do you have? How much money did you have? How much do you have saved? And God says, you ain't got nothing. It's all mine. It's all God's. And he says, listen, I am gracious enough to let you manage it or steward it. But you must do so according to his instructions. I used to be a financial planner. As someone would bring their money to me and trusted me with their savings, what would I do? How would you think if I said, thank you very much, I just got rich and I spent it according to my desires, irregardless of your wishes, you would put me in jail. And God says, listen, the reason I have blessed you with these resources is so that you would manage them and steward them according to his plans and purposes. Use them for eternal kingdom purposes. Yes, work hard. Yes, save for the future. Yes, be smart and wise in your investments. And yes, enjoy God's harvest, but do it with thanksgiving, with the understanding that God has you here for a reason. And it's to bring glory to him and to expand his kingdom. So we are managers. Stott says this means that we are, what, what does it mean to store treasures in heaven? Stott says, this means that we are to use the money 
for these purposes, for the development of Christ-like character. These are all eternal purposes, examples of eternal purposes. We should use the money for the development of Christ-like character since all, all we can take with us is ourselves. That's what lasts eternally. The increase of faith, hope, charity, all of which Paul said, abide. Growth in knowledge of Christ, whom one day we shall all meet face to face. For the active endeavor by prayer witness to introduce others to Christ, so that they may inherit eternal life. And the use of our money for Christian causes, which is the only investment whose dividends are everlasting. All these are temporal activities with eternal consequences. This, then, is treasure in heaven. We are to use the money, the possessions, the resources that God entrusts to us for eternal purposes. Christian character, evangelism, witness, missions, the gospel, the things of God for eternal significant purposes. So really it's a very simple and profound message at the same time. Jesus' disciples are not to become consumed with money and possessions. We're not to allow ourselves to fall into love with money and possessions. Instead, we are to invest in the eternal. We are to fund kingdom purposes. We are to fund the ministries of the gospel. In verse 21, he says why. This is the second point. The reason for, reason, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God says invest in the kingdom, not because he needs it, but because you and I need it. He says, I want your heart, and your heart follows your money. So invest in the kingdom of God. Everyone heard this week that someone bought a picture for 450.3 million smackers. $450.3 million for a, a picture. At least it's a picture of Jesus. $450.3 million. If you just spent $450.3 million on a painting last night, picture what you're doing today. What are you doing with that painting? I got armed guards around it. I've got it hanging on the wall, and I'm just sitting there staring at it. And I'm thinking, what did I do? No. <laughs> I'm going to protect it. I'm going to obsess over it. I'm going to think about it 24-7. I'm going to guard it. I'm going to tell people about it. I'm going to have news releases. I'm going to be obsessed with it. My heart will be in that painting. That's why Jesus says, put your money in the kingdom, in the work of Jesus, because I want your heart. Now I want you to hear about a couple, Jerry and Noran Planchak, Planchak, Jerry and Noran Planchak. They, uh, they were one of the two, uh, one of the five families, I'm getting my math right, there was ten of us, five families that started the church with us, and they are sharing uh, this morning, she says, out of obedience to the Lord. And uh, I would say that it's my desire for you to hear them because I want you to hear a very testimony of long-term faithfulness with no big 
uh, extravagant hoopla. This is what it looks like. So, tell us. Well, yeah. By long term, he means old. Her words, not mine. So, Jerry and Noran have, uh, I wanted them to hear. So, so when did y'all start tithing? Uh, when we were first married. Actually, we, we each started tithing before we were married. And so then when we became married, we decided from the beginning that we would tithe. Which is what? What's a tithe? Ten percent. And so <clears throat> I'm very thankful that we did it uh, from the beginning, that the Lord led us to do it from the beginning because that meant that when we figured out how we were going to spend our money uh, and make a budget, we were making the budget on 90%. And that really has, has helped us avoid a lot of troubles of spending too much uh, and those kind of things. And it's more difficult to do something like that um, in, in the middle of your marriage than it is at the beginning. It's, it's good either way, but, but the Lord protected us, I think, by, by uh, being able to do that from the beginning. See, I, it, I remember in our journey. I just want to say one. I Look, she does this to me the whole time. She's like, no, I'm in control. Go ahead. This is my spending governor. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, in our marriage, getting to a point of tithing and joyful was a nightmare. I mean, we were not good at it. Uh, it wasn't until we set up automatic draft and said, God, it's yours, and now we're going to live on the rest. How did y'all get started so early? I mean, did your family teach you that as kids? I mean... Well, uh, I was raised in a very, very good family that when we went to church, we put our $5 in the offering plate every Sunday. But it wasn't until I was in college and my senior year in college that I really came to know the Lord. And it was after three years of being involved in Bible studies. And, you know, I wish I could say I knew all about the treasure principle or where my heart was. I just knew it would be obedience to tithe. And so... When I was in school, I didn't have any money, so it was real easy to tithe. There you go. <laughs> but my first job that uh, I took, that was the first thing I did was, was tithe that money. And I knew the Lord wanted me to go on. I had a diploma education to get a baccalaureate and eventually teach in nursing. So I started saving every money, every bit of money that I had. And did that I, tempt you to want to stop tithing, or was it just so ingrained? No. It, I mean... See, I wish, I wish I thought deeply about these things. No, it's good. It's good. It's just, it's just that, that was what I was to do. I was so busy studying and working that I wasn't tempted with other things mm -hmm. and saving my money so that when I went out to, um, I was at, and even my first year of employment, they gave me 18 credits at the University of Pittsburgh that they paid for. Wow. So the Lord was just real gracious, so I didn't have any expenses, and I went out to Ohio State, and I had enough money for one year. Did you go to the Ohio State? At that time, it wasn't the Ohio State. Oh, okay, State. all right, go so ahead. so long ago. Okay, all right. <laughs> and uh, at the end of that year, I was out of my money, and I still had another year of undergraduate education. Surely you stopped tithing at that moment. Did you stop tithing? I no, the answer is no, she didn't stop tithing. deeply about these things. It's called faith, yes. Well, I just know the Lord is good, and so I knew he was going to 
he wanted me to go to school, so I knew he was going to give me some money. So at that time, Ohio State was offering traineeships where they'd pay for your last year of school and give you $200 a month. So I filled out all my applications, went, turned it in, and they said, I am sorry, you're from Pennsylvania. You don't qualify for this. But they took my application anyway. And guess what? A week later, I didn't qualify for it. I didn't <laughs> get it. So I said, okay, Lord, I know I'm to be here. How am I going to do this? And three or four days later, they called and said, hey, we have a different type of traineeship with some stipulations. Would you be interested? We'll give you money to finish your baccalaureate degree, $200 a stipend, and pay for all your schooling. But you have to commit to stay for graduate school, and we'll pay for your graduate education for <laughs> $200. Wow. So I thought, boy, Lord, why was I not praying big? <laughs> I was praying too small, and I'm always praying in the wrong direction. Lord's faith. You know, we just, you just sang that song about how God is greater and gives us better gifts than we could ever think of. And he does, and he has consistently given that to us. Yeah. So much so that my tithing governor yes. has reevaluated our circumstances. Yeah, so, so in this later season of life, how... I'm answering Tracy's question. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Jerry. You can hold the mic. I'll let you hold the mic. She may not, but I will. Uh, so, so what... Um, What's it look like now in this stage of life? I think it's really cool how you've described what's going on more recently. Yes, well, once, uh, uh, once our children got through college, it made a big difference in, in our finances. Uh, no longer were we living paycheck to paycheck. We had plenty of extra money left over. And so we... Pause. We, that means graduate from college early, students. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Just kidding. So we, we considered before the Lord, what should we do with our extra money? And he laid on our hearts to give more. There's, there was no reason why we needed all that money to spend it on ourselves. And, and so he led us to give more, a higher percentage. And we're very happy and blessed that, that that's the decision that he led us to. So there's a curveball we didn't do in the first service. So looking back on your life, do you regret it? No. No. Not at all. So there's nothing you look and say, I wish I had spent more on this or that for my own self. No. So can you elaborate on the joy of doing it? Uh, I know that wouldn't even enter my mind. It's, I mean, the Lord is so gracious all the time, consistently all the time. And no, we'd never look back. That's why I am real excited because I know I'm going to see that building right across the hallway from us. And the Lord's going to answer us in a way that we haven't even prayed about or we can even think about. And, you know, you say 675000 I mean, it, the Lord's just going to take that. And I don't know because if you want me praying for it, I'll be praying in the wrong direction because <laughs> he'll answer much greater than I could ever think. Wow, that's a great encouragement. Thank you all for sharing. I know that's hard. I invite the uh, worship team to come now and close us out. Lord, we thank you so much for uh, your word that teaches us. We thank you for a testimony of faithfulness. 
of just trusting you and watching you provide over the years. And Lord, I do ask that all of us would believe your word to be true, that it truly is more blessed to give than to receive, and that we not put our treasure, our cherish, tre- cherish the, the world and the things of the world, for it is not a happy place. But Lord, may we view the resources that you've put at our disposal for whatever reason, whether it was just something unexpected or if it was through hard work, Lord, it all came from you. And uh, may we be faithful to use the resources to provide for our family, to enjoy them with great thanksgiving and praise to you, and to, to aggressively provide for the needs of the gospel ministries that you have. And we pray that as we sing, you'll bring that truth to bear on our hearts. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.